0: Well, good morning. We want to welcome you again to the Hills Church at home. Whether you're watching live with us or you're catching up uh, at another time, um, again, we want to welcome you. Glad you're, you're a part. If you haven't already, you can go to our website and you can download the message notes today. The message notes are uh, highlights of what I'll be hitting on. If you have uh, children at home, too, you can go on our website and download uh, an activity sheet for them as well, too. But let's get started uh, this morning. In fact, my um, message title today is Teach Us How to Pray, and it was a question that the disciples had of Jesus. If you were with us last week, we looked at both David uh, in the wilderness and then Jesus in the wilderness, but both of them were men and people that that prayed to God sincerely. In fact, even in the most difficult of time, when they were under the most pressure, is when their prayer life became alive, and so I want to look at that today. Let me read a a verse to kind of kick this off. I want to read Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 out of the New King James Version, and then I wanna read it out of the Passion Translation. As I read this, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote this, he's under house arrest. He's chained to a Roman soldier, so he's not able to get out and go do the things. Does that sound familiar? To get out and go do the things he really wants to do. But he writes this in the situation that he's in, and the situation that many of us find ourselves in, but here's where we can grab a hold of God's word for our strength today. And he writes this in Philippians 4:6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. So that's where I always stop there. But in everything. Ready? By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. But in everything by prayer, let your requests be made known to God. In fact, the passage translation says this. I love this part. It says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith filled Request before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Isn't that good? Uh, Not to feel like you're being pulled in all these different directions or worried about a thing. Be anxious for nothing. Don't be worried about a thing. Allow your life to be saturated with prayer. The Apostle Paul would say later that um, he doesn't stop praying it's an attitude. We'll see that in our verses today because as a believer, as somebody that's reading the Bible, you're going to find that prayer is at the heart of everything that happens in their in a life. In fact, even in the season that we find ourselves all in this season is to prepare us for something greater. This season is to awake ourselves on the inside. And this season should be something that the Lord is using to draw us closer to Him because we're active in our prayer life. In fact, I like what C.S. Lewis said, and he said this, "'The moment you wake up in the morning, "'all of your wishes and hopes for the day "'rush at you like wild animals.'" And the first job each morning consists of shoving it all back and listening to the other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other, larger, stronger, and quieter life come flowing out of you. Isn't it true in the morning we can get caught up in the rush of things? And I like what he describes. It's like the wild animals are coming out after you. But what you have to do is you have to push all of those things back, be anxious for nothing. Don't allow yourself to get pulled in different directions. Allow yourselves at the beginning of the day, in the middle of the day, at the end of the day, all throughout the day, to be a person that presses in and prays. You know, uh, a few years ago, for two summers, we went on vacation with some really good family friends and they have, for years, gone to Hume Lake every summer. There's a home that they've used uh, every summer, and so we got to tag along for, for two years. In fact, I remember the very first time that we sat and we were going through uh, all of the details for this trip and, and what we could do. Basically, we're, we're living in a camp and could go and do different activities. But I remember them saying, now, just so you guys know, the minute we start heading up the hill to Hume Lake, your cell phone reception goes out. There's no cell phone reception at the camp. There's no internet at the camp. In fact, even the house that we stand, there's no internet. I remember this house having this very small old TV hooked up to a VCR. You know, that's basically how it was. Really, if you needed internet, you had to go down into the camp and go to the snack bar where the kids were and You know, you had to pay for it, and only one person can do it. But here's what I noticed. You know, we live with our phones attached to us like it's an appendix, you know, something that holds on to us. And it actually took two or three days to allow ourselves to kind of settle in. You know, you have that phone on you all the time. You're used to it ringing, or you're used to checking it all the time. But I found that it took about three days to kind of settle in. And the only time that I would grab my phone was to use it to do pictures or a video. You know, I, I remember when we drove home uh, that week later, the moment we started down the hill, oh man, the phone, ding ding, 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 you know, all of your little alerts because you were connecting back in and all of these different alerts were coming. I remember when uh, uh, the church I was on staff on, and they knew I wouldn't have any way to connect, and one of the pastors had called, and and I always think it's funny when you let people know, hey, I won't have any cell reception. I have no way of communication, but I will when I get back, and the message was, hey, it's Tuesday. I know you don't have cell reception, but I really need to get a hold of you, but you know what? Nowadays, think about the ways that we connect with our phones. Some are heavy talkers. Some of you are heavy texters. Some of you uh, use iMessage. Some of you Snapchat, TikTok, Twitch. I mean, there's all of these different things nowadays that people connect because we were created to be people that communicate. We love communicating. We love talking and all of us do it in a little bit different ways. And that's where when we draw into a life of prayer, we're already people that communicate, but God wants us to communicate to him. You know, we won't take time today to look at it, but all throughout the Bible, all of these different Bible characters, you'll notice one thing about their life. Those that had God's power were people of prayer. So in uh, in your notes, It looks like in the Gospels that there's at least seven places that is shown to us where Jesus pulls away to pray. In fact, we read it in Matthew and Mark twice, in Luke, uh, actually four times. And those references show us one of two things. One, he would withdraw early in the morning by himself to an area to pray. Uh, A couple of the examples are even after a full day of ministry and, and being with people and being probably exhausted and tired, what Jesus did, he withdrew and he found a place that he could pray. So when we read these over and over again, we see Jesus modeling for us that he was a man of prayer. Even if Jesus didn't do that, we would still be people that would pray. But Jesus did that out of the relationship that he had with his father. And it became something that we'll see in a minute that the disciples took note of. So it didn't matter if it was in the morning. It didn't matter where it was. Jesus made sure to withdraw, pray, to hear from God, to know what to do, to know what to say, to know when to choose his disciples that would be apostles. He did that because he prayed. So in Matthew chapter six, I want to read verses five through 15. And you'll notice if you have your Bibles or if you're following along on a phone or a tablet, you're going to read the words when you pray. In my translation, it's three times. And so I've actually wrote in there, Jesus is assuming that I'm praying. Let me read this starting in verse five. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, here we see it again, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Verse seven, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of even before you ask. Well, let's look at a couple of those verses just for a minute. When you pray, when you pray, when you pray. Jesus says this, don't be like the hypocrites. In fact, one of the words translated out of the Greek is the pretenders. Uh, One of the other translations is the play actors. Don't be a pretender. Don't be a play actor that the reason you get out and pray, and he said, they're doing it at the synagogues, they're doing it at the street corners, is so people can see you so that they think, this has gotta be a holy person. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. But here's what you should be like when you pray. Go in your room, shut the door. Why? Because that life of prayer is between you and your heavenly Father. Nobody needs to know. You don't don't need to post something to say, hey, I want everybody to know for the next four hours, I'm gonna be somebody praying. It's between you and God. You know, maybe you can't find a room. Maybe your room to pray is in your backyard. Maybe you you find it in a garage or a bathroom or or somewhere, but notice it's to get alone, to get quiet, to get still, Like C.S. Lewis said, push all the wild animals out of the way so that you can press into that voice that you need to hear when you pray. He says, when you pray, don't use all these vain repetitions. In fact, Jesus goes on and says this in verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray. Notice what the Bible says right here. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Notice it doesn't stop there. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you of your trespasses. Notice one of the things Jesus said, what we come out of, Jesus said, go find a room, shut the door, go in a closet, go somewhere, go somewhere private. But I love this verse in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 20, uh, out of the New American Standard Version. And listen to what it says. Come, my people, enter into your rooms and close the door behind you. Hide for a little while. You know, one of the examples that we're going to see, remember this about your father, God. Adam and Eve are in the cool of the garden. Who came to meet with them? God did. Jesus is letting us know that uh, our God, our heavenly father wants to communicate. And one of the ways that we communicate with him is by being people of prayer. In fact, Jesus said this, and I thought of this one example, and I don't want to unpack uh, all of this today, but in uh, verse 10, it says, Your kingdom come. Jesus said, pray this. Your kingdom come, and your will be done. You know, and I thought about that. If you're a, a business owner, or you're a department manager, or you have a main leadership part in the place that you work, You wake up every morning and as you get ready to go off to your job, you're thinking about that company, that business. You might be thinking about its sales. You might be thinking about its customers. You might be thinking about how are we going to market and advertise? Uh, There's all different ways that you think about your business, how you can adapt, how you can make changes. Well, here's what Jesus says for all of us to think. Think this way. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Are we living out God's priorities? As much as we all have different priorities and things that we have to do and we have to accomplish, it should be on the heart of every single believer that our prayer every day is your kingdom come and your will be done. You know, I'd, I'd love for you to think about that. How does that work out in your life on a day upon day that I'm always thinking about his kingdom? How can I advance his kingdom? How can I say something that advances his kingdom? I want to have that kingdom heart and that kingdom part in my spirit. You know, we need that time with God. With everything that's happening in our lives, we should never overlook our life to be too busy in our time with him. And Jesus, again, his most intense ministry activity, he would still withdraw and he would still pray. But here's what I I think about. In fact, as we get ready to go into uh, Luke, the disciples are watching everything that Jesus does. And yet they're going to ask him something in a few minutes. Remember, they're watching. They're watching the power that's taking place in his life. They're watching the miracles. They're listening to the teaching. They know that there is something about him, this Christ, this Messiah. And so we don't read many times where they say, teach us how you do this, Jesus, like we do today. Teach us how to work on a car. Teach us how to paint a house. Teach us how to work on computers. Teach us how, we say that to teach us how, or we we look up videos of how to learn things. The disciples will say this to Jesus. Teach us what? How to pray. In fact, we picked this up in uh, Luke chapter 11. In fact, it would appear that this is a different event that Jesus is going to reply to them the very thing that we just saw in Matthew 6 to teach them again this principle. Because here's what's important. We need to be taught it over and over and over again. Luke chapter 11. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. Here's Jesus withdrawing, praying. uh, When he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray as John also taught his disciples, John the Baptist. Interesting that we read about that, about John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. Now there's that hunger in Jesus's disciples. They're watching him pray. Wouldn't that be kind of odd? Jesus is probably praying and he probably has his eyes closed and however he's praying in the moment, he opens up, these guys are looking at him probably and yet their heart is teach us how to pray. Well, we read this. He says, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who has indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The disciples knew this. If anything that they asked of Jesus, they wanted to understand the power behind him praying. In fact, they knew this. Jesus's prayers were heard. And if Jesus's prayers were heard, I want him to teach me how to pray. You know, I want you to always have this picture in mind when you pray. Picture Jesus sitting at the end of a table, but he's waiting on you to come to be with him. He's waiting on us to come and to be with him. And we see this taught again and again. It's like a repeat teaching to be people of prayer. You know, many times, and I've been guilty of it as well, When people ask for prayer, the instant response is, have you ever used the the comeback thoughts and prayers on their way? Uh, Have you really stopped to pray? Is it really something that when somebody says to you, would you pray for me today? Are you strong and earnest enough to stop and to pray? Let's not allow thoughts and prayers to come out of our mouth or a message on our fingers that we would not be people of prayer. The disciples knew the power behind Jesus' ministry was because he modeled and was a man of prayer. In fact, Jesus today, seated at the right hand of the throne of God, is still praying for us. In fact, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 says this, Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since, listen to this, he always lives to make intercession for them. Isn't that the picture of when we pray, Jesus prays for us to the Father? He didn't stop praying. The Garden of Gethsemane prayer didn't stop him praying. His last connection uh, on earth with the disciples didn't stop him. He forever is praying for us. You know, it's powerful when somebody lets you know out of the blue and not because you asked that they've been praying for you. It's humbling. Know this: our Lord and Savior Jesus is praying for us. But would you pray? Would you be somebody that that prays? Pray boldly. Pray God's word over the situation. Pray and expect him to move on your behalf. Pray and ask him, I want to be part of your kingdom, God. What can I do today to advance your kingdom? Not my kingdom, your kingdom. The one that will last for eternity. Pray. Pray. You know, I wanted to read this because all all through, and I started it this way, all through the Bible, we read that people of prayer were people of great power. There's a verse, when all of this started and we knew that um, we wouldn't be able to have public services and that we would have to adapt and, you know, come different uh, means and reach out different ways. The verse that, instantly came to me, and I, and I know it had to have been the Holy Spirit, and I'll read in just a minute in Genesis 26, 12. It's actually the verse, I was trying to find a dry erase board around the house because I wanted to start to write up as people have asked us to pray or things that we wanted to keep before our eyes to pray. Um, the only thing that I thought about was in my daughter's room, on her mirror, she writes with a dry erase board, scriptures things that she's praying for, things for her to remember. Well, I found her dry erase marker and I came downstairs and I wrote on our mirror, right? As you come in our house, things that we can pray for. But I started with this verse. Let me read uh, Genesis 26, 12, and then I'll back up for a minute. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in that same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. Now, let me back up. Let me read verse one to you to give a background uh, of Isaac. It says this, There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt, live in the land which I, I tell you to do, dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you." So here's the picture. There's a famine in the land, and it's another famine from when Abraham started out. If you read Genesis chapter 12, after God promises him a land, you'll read on that there was a famine. The first thing that Abraham did was turn around and he went to Egypt. In fact, Egypt was always, uh, has given us an example in the Bible of a place of going backwards. Remember, it was a place of bondage for the children of Israel. But we have a different famine. Notice the scripture tells us, and God tells Isaac, don't go to Egypt. Don't go backwards. You know, and it made me think of Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, And lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on the thought of, well, I can just go to Egypt because God wanted to be a blessing to Isaac. In fact, God said that at the end, dwell in this land, I will be with you and bless you you know the only thing that we need in these times is to know, number one, God is with us and that God will bless us. Well, here's how God blessed Isaac because he was faithful to follow what God said to do. And that's where we read verse 12. Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. God's faithfulness, and Isaac's faith in his promise produced this hundredfold. Can you imagine going out in the desert and planting a crop and there's been no rain and you're in a famine? Yet out of that crop produces a hundredfold. You don't sow the crops in the time of famine. Yet Isaac's obedience to the Lord was not to go backwards into Egypt, Isaac's obedience to the Lord was to follow what God said. And he would mark him by this great increase because of the crop. Well, I've been praying this verse over the people of our church, over people that we taught, that even in these days, when changes have happened to all of us, that we would not rely on what we naturally think, that we would rely that God would bless us, that we would rely on God and his promises over us, that even in the midst of famine, that we would reap a hundredfold. Well, as you are, maybe you're in your living room with your family, maybe you're in a different room, can we pray, can we stop, and can we take a minute, and can we pray these verses over you and your family today. Well, Father, you see all of us in our different living rooms, in our our rooms, maybe in a garage or a backyard. But Lord, in these days, and sometimes the cycle of the news that we listen to or read probably brings us into a season where we're starting to lean on our own understanding, trying to figure all of these things out But Lord, we come back to the root and the heart of the issue that we trust in the Lord with all of our heart. We don't lean on our own understanding that in all of our ways, Father, we want to understand your ways, your thoughts. We acknowledge you and you will direct our paths. You will direct our steps. And Father, I pray for everyone that uh, is listening Lord, that they would receive this scripture promise, Genesis 26, verse one, Genesis 26, 12, that they don't go after Egypt, but they know that if you dwell in this land, you would be with us and that you would bless us. And as Isaac sowed in the land, he reaped in the same year a hundredfold and you blessed him. I thank you for your blessing over all of us in Jesus' name. In fact, if you've tuned in and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, it is the most important prayer that you can pray. And isn't it an interesting thought that the Lord God Almighty would send his son Jesus because he couldn't, he couldn't fathom the thought of spending eternity without you. You know, and it is a simple prayer that we pray with our mouth, that we confess it, we believe in our heart, and then we live out this life as one of his disciples. In fact, you can pray this along. You can pray, dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he lived, that he died, that he rose again for me, and I confess you as the Lord of my life. You can thank him for bringing you into his family. You can confess your sins because he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And with that prayer, you become what the Bible says is a Christian born again. But if you prayed that or would you reach out to us, whether on Facebook, or you can go on our website and you can respond because we do want to connect with you because it is the most important prayer that you could ever say because God didn't want to spend eternity without you. Well, as we transition to our tithes and offerings, uh, uh, as we do each week and we do in our church services, I want to read this one verse and then I want us all to pray along this prayer. In fact, it's John chapter 6, verse 11 through 12. Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragrance that remains so nothing is lost. Jesus took what he had and he gave thanks and distributed. Notice what happened it not only was as much as everyone needed, but there were leftovers. You know, God does that. He takes what we give. And even as we said, your kingdom come, he takes that, plants it in his kingdom. And there's a blessing though that returns on our lives. So as as we pray this prayer, in fact, even if you're in in a living room with other people or your kids, pray this along. Let's all pray this together. Ready? As I give in today's offering, I believe in the supernatural power of God to multiply what I give to meet all of my needs. I give with the spirit of expectation and faith, and I stop and I give thanks, knowing that God will supply all of my needs. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, If you're giving and you want to give by mail, you can send it in the mail to the Hills Church P.O. Box 661419, Arcadia, California, 91066. Or it is fast, easy, and secure. You can go on our website and you can give online. Go to hillschurcharcadia.org. And let me mention this before we close. Hey every Wednesday uh, for this last month we've been doing a zoom call. in fact uh, we we did a little switch this last week. We did a zoom call and we also did communion together. We do that every Wednesday. I want to encourage you to be a part of that if you haven't had a chance to connect in. It's great to see everybody um, and it is it's one of those encouraging times. If you're not getting those emails, if you'd like uh, more information, email us. Our email's info at hillschurcharcadia.org. So stay connected that way. And in closing, I want to read Psalm 121, 1 and 2, our, our verse over our church, our ministry. And I want to pray this again over all of us. I look up to the hills, but where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. Would you be somebody even today? Set a notification, make a calendar appointment with yourself and your Father God to be a person that prays. Open up your heart to him. Use these examples. Go back through those verses that we have. Notice that Jesus modeled it for us. Jesus gave us an outline how to pray. Be somebody that prays. Find somewhere in your house to write uh, prayer requests on a wall. Give the kids crayons to write. No, don't have them do that on the wall. But write down those things on the wall that you can look back and see how God is moving even in these days in your life because Isaac was blessed, because the Lord's blessing was on him and he received a hundredfold We are praying for you. We love you. The Lord bless you. Have a great Sunday.